If you're thinking about starting a podcast, let us tell you about Anchor. First off, it's free, and you can record and edit your show through your computer or phone, or import your show from whatever recording software you already use. Anchor will then distribute your show for you so it can be heard on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen. And probably the best part, you can start making money with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to start a podcast from start to finish in one place, and it was a super easy switch for us. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's anchor.fm. Welcome to the intro podcast of LA Not So Confidential. This is a podcast devoted to the subject of forensic psychology. I'm Dr. Scott. I'm a forensic psychologist working in Southern California. I'm here with my amazing best friend and uh, co-host. Dr. Shiloh. And I am also a licensed psychologist in the state of California and a forensic psychologist. So we're here because we want to provide some education on the subject of forensic psychology. In the podcast world, there's a lot of great podcasts about different kinds of psychology, uh, different areas, different areas of study and research, but there's virtually nothing on the field of forensic psychology by people who are actually working in the field. This is what we hope to bring to you. We hope to bring some fun as well as some maybe some education. Um, Hopefully you'll enjoy this uh, the way we enjoy the exploration of the work that we're very passionate about. I'm a licensed MFT. Um, I'm also a licensed psychologist. My emphasis in my doctoral studies was uh, family forensics. So I have a background uh, of training and being an expert witness. I work in the fields of family law, family and child assessment, child custody evaluation, mediation, conflict resolution, and I'm also trained in crisis negotiation. Shiloh. So I hold a master's and a doctorate in forensic psychology, and those are both from Alliant International University here in Los Angeles. And as far as my expertise in working with forensic clients, um, I've really focused on working with offenders. And so I have worked with them before they go to prison. I actually still have a private practice in which I do this. And then working with them when they get out of prison, primarily evaluations and then treatment. So I have recently shifted to working in law enforcement psychology this year, and I have a whole new clientele. Um, So looking at the world of forensic psychology, I think between the two of us, we have quite a bit of experience from different environments. And that's what we really want to bring to this podcast. We should also mention that we both come to this field from very different fields. Um, We came to psychology as adults, as opposed to some people who go right into doctoral work from undergrad. Um, I was an entertainment professional in Southern California for 20 years, um, working as an agent's assistant, a casting director, a talent manager, and eventually a line producer for 
DVD content. Um, and Shiloh has an additionally a fascinating background <laughs> as well. Tell us about that. Well, I worked in law enforcement for 10 years, and seven of those 10 years, I was a police officer. So I. And, and you come from a. A very heavy law enforcement family. Right. So uh, I like to tell my clients now I am a daughter, sister, wife of law enforcement officers. So I have lived and breathed that life for a long time, which brings a really unique perspective, I'm sure. Um, but yeah, I was a, just a normal patrol cop for seven years. Which is really going to be a fascinating perspective on everything that we talk about. Sure. I think, I think, you know, when I came to you with this idea, it was really trying to marry a few things that we're interested in. Obviously true crime, obviously, um, some of the entertainment and media around it, even if it is fiction and looking at the forensic psychology topics that are kind of weaved in there. But I also felt like the other podcasts and other entertainment outlets that I turn to are constantly asking for experts in the area to come in and talk um, because maybe they don't have that expertise, which is sometimes entirely the whole point. It's just entertainment based. But I feel like a lot of times I'm sitting in my car kind of screaming at the radio because a term is wrong right. or I am writing letters to Karen and Georgia on my favorite murder because I want to just kind of set something straight. And they're so wonderful by the way, to read these letters and take the input. Um, but for us to really be the subject matter experts right. and apply that to all of the above. So hopefully we're going to be able to give you a perspective on what we do in our work and what we want to do to keep it really interesting is we're going to, vary. We're going to go back and forth between true crime, things that are actually going on right now that are in proceedings that would be known to a larger audience, and maybe some things that are kind of obscure. They might be subjects or um, crimes, uh, proceedings, trials that you don't know anything about, but we think that they're really interesting, and we'll tell you why these are particularly interesting. It may relate to how law is going to change or how it's impacting the culture at large. Um, we also are going to be bringing in other experts in the field. We're going to be bringing in law enforcement experts as well as mental health experts um, that go even farther and deeper in those certain areas of expertise than we do because we always want to challenge our own fixed notions about things. We want to make sure somebody comes in and shakes us up a little bit as well. Absolutely. I think it's also important to note that because we are licensed psychologists and we are not just somebody starting a podcast that doesn't have any obligation to any professional guidelines. We do. We absolutely so do. So there may be some carefully worded sentences coming from us because we need to make sure we are not crossing um, or breaking any guidelines or rules or ethics standards that we do have to abide by. So we can't, as much as we're going to keep this casual and kind of, um, you know, make it very personal and colorful. We can't just really fly by the seat of our pants in a lot of different areas. We may even have to stay away from certain cases that are sensitive to the agencies that we work with. Um, so forensic psychologists are most commonly are licensed psychologists who specialize in applying psychological knowledge to um, 
areas in the criminal and civil arenas that are directly related to legal matters. Um, we hold graduate degrees in psychology and those are uh, either a PhD or a PsyD. Sometimes you can have an ED, which is an educational psychology degree, mm-hmm. but that's very rare. Yeah, I would say the simplest way to think about it is anywhere where psychology and the criminal justice system overlap, um, which could be huge. I mean, I have friends that are doing child custody evaluations for courts. Mm-hmm. Um, your experience with working in the prisons, um, just doing evaluations for courts, competency to stand trial, insanity evaluations, uh, sexually violent predator predator evaluations, anywhere where those areas overlap, that's going to be your forensic psychology. So, right. And, and I should have said that earlier. I did work in the um, state corrections system for many years. Um, so in this line of work, um, sometimes forensic psychologists are integrally involved in helping to design newer prisons. Um, unfortunately that does not happen enough. And a lot of what happens in the prison system now is they're sort of trying to use an old prison, the physical design of the building for treating, uh, their mentally ill inmates. And that doesn't work so well. Um, we wish there was more, uh, involvement with forensic psychologists in that design process. Um, so like Shiloh said, it's that juxtaposition between criminal justice, in other words, law enforcement, academic training, corrections, and then so criminal. Yeah. You're going to talk about right. So just kind of distinguishing with criminal psychology, um, I think for the audience, probably most people think of criminal profiling when they think of something like that. Very rare, (laughs) something that is, um, you know, probably not even done by psychologists for the most part. Um, You're going to find the most criminal profilers working with the behavioral analysis unit in the FBI, and they often are not um, psychologists, and they're special agents that are specially trained. But there are case-specific type of consultations that law enforcement psychologists can be a part of. Uh, If you're working with a law enforcement agency that wants some input on their cold case or their um, unsolved serial killer or serial rape case that they may go to somebody that works with their department as a psychologist and has expertise in the background. I'm sorry, I'm laughing because I always think I have to explain to people we're not B.D. Wong kind of like. Just no. hanging out around the Law and Order <laughs> Police Office, I love those episodes where BD just suddenly shows up and <laughs> drops some wisdom on. When I got this re- most recent <laughs> job, my brother goes, "You're that guy," <laughs> and that's exactly what he was talking about. I don't no, know. no offense to BD Wong; he's a wonderful <laughs> actor. We just wish it was a little bit more accurate uh, about how uh, law enforcement psychologists are and fold into that. Don't worry. If this part seems dry, we're going to weave in a hefty amount of entertainment for you <laughs> with all of those shows that you guys love so much. Um, but yeah, so I, I guess I didn't say that currently I work for a large law enforcement agency, um, where my job is divided between clinical services for law enforcement, as well as training, um, 
and then soon to be part of crisis negotiation team. Right. You're going to love that. There's options for a case specific consultation that I was just speaking about. We're both really, really lucky in that we get to do some of the most amazing trainings, um, really hardcore trainings for our job. Shiloh's about to come up on a training that I got to do last year with the FBI. I'm incredibly jealous because I would, I would pay to do it again. It's the, um, uh, crisis negotiation tactics um, or crisis negotiation team training for uh, the FBI. And it's really, really amazing because the, the FBI has a standardized protocol for how to handle um, full-on SWAT situations and uh, de-escalation of, um, of really, really tense situations, you know, which can include someone, you know, that's uh, a hostage situation or a barricade situation or someone that's about to, you know, not only cause harm to themselves, but their, their attempt to commit suicide could cause harm to a lot of other people. So um, it's a great training. We'll share with you um, as we get to go to these different trainings. I have lovingly referred to myself as a training whore throughout my (laughs) career because I think it's part of just loving to learn and how much it motivates me to want to put these new skills to task. We call it LA not so confidential because living in a large urban area, there's a lot of crime here. And even though it's a better environment than it was in the past, you know, this city, the juxtaposition between criminality and entertainment has long Mm -hmm. existed. And there's a lot of great material to pull from. We're both obsessed with a lot of very well-known cases such as Heaven's Gate. Um, that was a major event that happened here years ago. Um, in fact, I think we're, we're at the 20 year anniversary. Yep. So we got to cover that pretty soon. We, we got to talk, Definitely. talk about cult in, uh, involvement. Southern California seems to be a breeding ground for cults. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> um, but just the history. I mean, the his, I, I love the history of the city now that we're both working downtown proper in LA. Right. Um, you know, from famous cases like the Black Dahlia case, just to know oh, locations yeah. of driving by the area where USC now is and thinking, oh, that's where her body was dumped. Yeah. Or she hung out at this bar and some of those locations are still there or the old architecture and buildings are still there. All of that, I think, comes into yeah. um, just the interest and fascination with it all. And weaving that into our title, I think, is fitting as well. Right. So I think it's really important to talk about why, just leading up to doing this, how we got interested. I mean, obviously we have a career that mirrors some of our sort of nerdy interest in this stuff. Um, Like you had mentioned before, I grew up in a law enforcement family, so it was just there in front of me, parents talking in code, um, talking about different events that had happened or cases they worked. My dad worked as a child abuse detective. My mom worked as a domestic violence detective. My stepdad worked major narcotics crimes. Um, so yeah, it, it really ran the gamut. <laughs> right. All I can think is when you said that is like, great, she's talking about coming from law enforcement and I come from a family of mental illness, <laughs> which is what got me into we psychology. Are yin and yang. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so I, you, that was always around. I don't know that that necessarily sparked my interest. That just felt kind of normal. Um, but it, really early, I mean, I grew up in the 80s, so my parents would watch things like 
Unsolved Mysteries, which was the creepiest shit ever yeah, for a kid. Yeah, that was. I. You're right. I mean, just it, and I know there's other podcasts that talk about how nostalgic hearing the host voice or hearing the music. To me, it's frightening. I mean, I just, it, it, especially the uh, unsolved crimes, and there's people still out there, and that was really scary. Well, and that was also very different from any other show at the time, any other cop show, any other mystery, any other supernatural show. It was so dark. Because it was dark, and you're sitting there watching it knowing, this happened. This these, is real. These are real. Now, sure. you know, he made it a little bit more lurid, but really, I, re- that, I was sucked in by that as well. Yeah, yeah. I think another big point for me, um, I don't know if it sparked my interest or just also scared the shit out of me, was... When I remember being at my dad's house and the news coming on and they had the breaking news that the Night Stalker, Richard Ramirez, had been caught. And I remember being very frightened and my dad saying, no, it's okay, he's caught now. Um, But something about that news broadcast just really stuck with me. And I I also think that's just such a fascinating case and uh, taking place in all kind of Southern California areas and then eventually ending up in East LA was, was really interesting. When I decided to major in criminal justice in undergrad, I eventually got a job as a police cadet at a local police department. And I was put in charge of property and evidence. And I really, I think my first obsession was the John Benet Ramsey case. Yeah, that's a big one. Obviously, it is for a lot of people, but I was on forums back then when that was kind of the only thing, and talking to these other, I don't know, seem like housewives all over the country, just kind of doing our own web sleuthing and throwing theories out there, and I thought it was just amazing. And I, I still, to this day, if I feel like God would say, hey, what question do you want answered before you die? I want to know who killed Giovanni Ramsey. Yeah. <laughs> because with as much research and reading and even with kind of the new um, look at it that was done earlier this year and the, the TV show they put together on that, I, I'm still as clueless as I was day one. Well, it's really. confusing. It's completely because confusing. Because the, I mean, we'll go into, we definitely have to do an episode on that because sure. the the crime scene got so polluted. It, I mean... And, it's not, yeah. if we'll ever know. And, and that's know. what the experts have really said. You know, you look at Dr. Henry Lee and he has re-examined that scene and just said, this will never be solved yeah. because of the evidence being destroyed. So, but for me, I mean, that was a, a real big obsession. Um, and after that, I ended up graduating and getting a job as a police officer. And then, you know, a couple of years later, started my graduate studies. So... It stayed with me. Um, I remember, you know, turning to podcasting. I mean, that is sort of new for me. I know it's not for you, but do you want to talk a little bit how you got interested in true crime? Well, yeah, there, my intro to it was a, a little bit different because I wasn't, obviously I wasn't from a law enforcement family and I worked in entertainment and, um, I think that there were, there were two seminal things that grabbed my attention. Um, one, I remember I was living in Chicago, um, back in the late eighties for a couple of years after I got an undergrad. And I remember when Oprah was not a huge show, mm-hmm. but it was the show to watch because it would, there was always something, uh, something interesting on it. Right. And it was when they interviewed Ray Bucky from the McMartin preschool hearings. 
And I had never heard of it because at that time in my life I was young and dumb and didn't, you know, did not stay up on current events. But here I'm watching this show. Right. And I remember, I think I was eating dinner or something and I, like the fork stopped halfway to my mouth as they were interviewing him because even in my ignorance of world events and, you know, I was, I mean, I was living a different life then mm-hmm. I thought this guy's innocent. Wow. I thought, I mean, it like as clear as a bell, it came to me, this guy is innocent. This is messed up. And I became obsessed with that, but that was, you know, before we had so much information accessible from a computer sure. where now you can get all sorts of stuff. But right. that stayed with me for years, um, all through my, um, other career in entertainment, just always wondering. And there's other, some other things that have recently come up about that, that are really shocking. I mean, shocking in that, that family, the Buckies, the McMartins, they were completely failed by the justice system and by the mental health system as well. And we'll, we'll talk more about that. Did I ever tell you that my dad was called in as a special investigator? No, shit. <laughs> okay, How dad, did you, not you might tell have me to that. be a guest. <laughs> okay, we got to get your dad in. I did not know that. That's yes, great. Yes, I know. And then the other thing um, was a show that was like, you know, people who aren't who are not familiar with it or, you know, watch a lot of reality television now don't realize how little of it there was back in the early 90s. And um, you know, as cable expanded, the networks had to generate content, content, sure. you know? So one of the earliest ones was a show called city confidential. So good. Oh my God. That was such a great show. And I it was a great be. show, not because it was perfectly well done. There right. was a lot of holes in it, but it was made the most sort of run-of-the-mill crimes. It turned them into the most lurid things. Oh, but so salacious. I could sit there yeah. and lay in bed and probably watch six episodes and not even know the right. end times. It's like watched. Forensics Files. It like totally, Forensic Files. Totally. Like, completely yeah. addictive. But the the thing that hooked me in is I'm sitting there, you know, living in my crappy apartment in Hollywood, <laughs> you know, with like, I think it was the middle of a heat wave or something, and I didn't have any air conditioning. But I remember that one of the episodes came on and... Uh, Paul Winfield, God rest his soul, he had a most wonderful voice. He was a, a a voiceover artist that worked for years in television and film. And he had this gravelly voice. He so would good. speak like this. And he caught me because the episode was about something that happened in my hometown. Oh my and the way he described my hometown, which is Huntsville, Alabama, was... The rich upper crust of Huntsville, Alabama, didn't like the low-life trash from Birmingham coming so in. So perfect. Which one were you, by the way? No, <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's believe me. I was not rich upper crust of, of Huntsville. But the thing that was amazing was it was a crime. It was my optometrist, and oh, he had no been kidding. he had been murdered, and it was set up by. Um, his family members. And so we'll, we're going to explore that one a little bit later too. But I also like other podcasts. I know you like, uh, I love my favorite murder. I mean, my favorite murder. Not those women are hilarious. And, um, yeah, I just, I adore them. I adore everything about the podcasts that I listen to that they are, there's so much entertainment value there. Um, that I don't mind that, 
podcasts don't get everything right that or that they're not subject matter experts and I, that's where we're coming in obviously right but i don't want to listen to me talk necessarily <laughs> it's like when i come home i i don't watch cop shows i don't really like anything too heady my husband loves like quantum physics discovery channel stuff um, I just want to veg out when I listen to entertainment or watch entertainment. So and see, I'm the opposite. I'm I'm a bit of the opposite though because I will get obsessed with those shows and and you know I if if there's nothing on and how is it possible that there's nothing on with Netflix? I mean we have so many right. options, but um, investigation discovery has changed the the landscape for me and my my husband will walk through and just shake his head and go <laughs> you deal with this all day why are you watching these shows because i just i mean i completely get immersed and it's hard i mean there are people out there like him that don't give a shit about true crime yeah oh yeah and it's... i don't understand how those people exist because <laughs> it's amazing and it's fascinating but um it, I think that's one of our questions, too, kind of coming to the table here, is why are people so interested in this? Okay, well, my my theory, I mean, there's a lot written on this. Sure. <clears throat> and, you know, and I come from, you know, the podcast, you know, you like right, right. Um, My Favorite Murder. You know, my, I think Criminal yeah. is an amazing Criminal's podcast. Great. I mean, it is short, sweet. Uh, she's a wonderful producer, does mm-hmm. great stories. Mm-hmm. Serial changed the landscape oh that Adnan Syed's uh, trial has was just riveting for a year and a half. I remember listening to that. You and I were on our way to this therapist mixer, and you're like, "Have you listened to Serial yet? It's great." And I just kind of like, "Eh, no." And then finally, I did, yeah. and just burned through that baby, and then ended up listening to Undisclosed. Undisclosed, Undisclosed is another. Ravi Chaudhary does a, a wonderful sure, job. Sure, sure. And then, I mean, I also like, and then S-Town or Shittown. Right. Okay, Shittown. Also, my connection to that is I went to school with that guy at Birmingham oh Southern God. in Birmingham, Alabama. So oh, that wow. is a story that is wow. a, a wonderful, you know, psychological profile mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. criminal aspects to it. Sure. But I like some weird stuff, too. I like Mysterious Universe right. with these two wonderful Aussies that talk about, you know, sort of um, high, what do they call it? High strangeness is, mm-hmm. is all over the place. Mm-hmm. Lore. Uh, lore is great. Lore. We love lore. Um, coming out on Amazon as a show. Yeah. Good job. Aaron Mankey, who sounds like a, a teenage William Shatner, right? Captain Kirk. We love him. <laughs> um, and what else? Uh, yeah, that's kind of, that keeps me pretty busy. Those four podcasts. So what about, um, television now? What are, are you watching anything in particular that's True crimey or interested or something that you would recommend? Well, from a fiction standpoint, and this is we're going to have to do a show on this in the future. Is the Sinner? It is a, a short form, um, like single series that may get, I guess, pulled into a separate series or a, a, a series two. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're kind of a lot of television shows are following the um, American Horror Story, right. where it's a different story every season, season but uses the same actors. I cannot recommend this show enough because it's got phenomenal twists, but we're going to use it to talk about a really fascinating um, psychological state called uh, dissociation. Right. Because Jessica Beale 
knocks it out of the park as an actor in this work. I mean, she's everybody's great. And Cammy Patton, heads up to Cammy Patton. Oh my God, great casting director. She did an awesome job with this, but we're going to go in That's depth on that. That's going to be an important one. topic because I think there's a lot of misconceptions about that. There's a lot. It's so exceedingly rare. It's so rare, but when it's real, it's real. And it's yeah. always, it's always due to trauma, mm-hmm. you know, but mm-hmm. yeah, a lot of things get it wrong. Um, we'll, we'll talk about some of the shows that really, um, entranced the country, but really got it wrong. Right. Like Sybil. Sybil was something that right. I watched when I was young and we all fell for it right. and it was all disproved yep. and it made great television, made a great book, won Sally and Emmy, but, um, <laughs> not accurate no. at all. I feel like there's a lot being revisited. It, like we're at the 20th year anniversary of a lot of things. Um, so I think most recently what I've been interested in, there's been recaps and kind of updates like on the Natalie Holloway case Oh yeah, and, um, the new show that's going to come out about the Menendez brothers. I cannot wait. Whoa, for that's that. going to be a good one. Um, so we will definitely cover that. Um, but I think we're probably going to focus even in our first real episode on the Lacey Peterson case, which also has um, some updates to it and some right. stuff in the works and that they're revisiting in a TV show. And we really want to touch on that. I mean, that Scott Peterson looking at his profile of, as, right. as a, as an example of someone who truly led a double life out in the open. Right. That's going to be my trademark phrase is he read a double life, but out in the open. It wasn't like he was the BTK killer who, had a double life. Had a double life that was, you know, right. completely subsumed, subsumed in in night and serial killing. This sure. guy, you know, he's a special kind of yeah. personality that we're going to go in depth on. Yeah. The podcast I'm late to is the Missing Maura Murray podcast, which is going to be the next episode um, or next season of Disappeared, which was a Natalie Holloway on Oxygen, and they're going to do a missing. Maura Murray season and it is for you guys that haven't heard about it um I believe late 90s um college student in New Hampshire just crashed her car and went missing and there's a lot of interesting strange twists along the way that made it get not so run-of-the-mill and it's still unsolved to this day so wow that sounds great people really like cold cases yeah they really do well i do i mean it's fascinating and it's scary that's i think one of the things that's scary about is like when there's not a black and white clear-cut answer for something that you know it makes us uncomfortable it festers theory and yeah you're right it makes people uncomfortable it's i think that's one of the things the hallmarks of what brings those of us that are into this is that we look at it and it's alien to us. You know, that's why I like the the more weird end of the spectrum as well as, you know, some of the more violent crimes is like really understanding that there are certainly people who are one-off criminals that are, they commit crimes of passion. But then there are other people that really are psychologically, they are wired differently. Right. They are formed differently from an, an internal stance. And that can be alien. I mean, it's more, it's getting, we're getting more used to it because we see this sure, stuff all the time, sure. but that's one of the things that's continually fascinating. But the average to me. person does not have exposure to that. And so it's so hard to wrap your mind around that this is a human being 
doing these acts. That makes these choices. Right. And so we like to label them and categorize them as monsters or psychopaths or evil or whatever. But the real scary part is that it's just a real person. Yeah. <laughs> it's not a, it's, it's not a supernatural monster. No. It actually exists. Right. So, folks, we've been a little bit over the map um, in our introduction today. And thanks for bearing with us. We're really excited about bringing this project to you. Um, this is it for our introduction podcast. Um, we're really excited and looking forward to bringing you our absolute official first episode which is going to be focusing on criminals who lead double lives. So we're going to definitely explore Scott Peterson, and I really would like to get into some of the new theories that are out there now and developing about the murder. Um, But please, let us know what you want to hear about. Definitely. We want your ideas. We want your input. So here's a few ways that you can contact us. Our email address is lanotsoconfidential at gmail.com. Our Twitter handle is LA Not So Pod. You can find us on Instagram at LA Not So Podcast. And then on Facebook, you can find us on the page LA Not So Confidential. So thank you so much. And this has been LA Not So Confidential. Thanks a lot, folks. Bye.